Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Good morning, Patrick. How you doing, my friend? Pretty good, Jeff. How about you? Not too bad. Um, trying to not be like all congested and stuff today. See if I do better today than I did last week. So, gotta love it when we can't keep a solid temperature. I mean, I guess freezing and below freezing is <laughs> about the two temperatures we have right now. Yeah, unfortunately. But it, uh, yeah. It's, it's been something, that's for sure. Uh, shout out to my brother and, and his family in Erie, Pennsylvania, trying to uh, dig out of the snow every day. Keep sending me videos of him using the snowblower. I'm like, yeah, no. I told him uh, the last time to send it, I go, I've already seen this movie. <laughs> like, no, thank you. No more reruns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie's just as bad as the original. <laughs> uh, it's terrifying. No, thank you. Afraid we're gonna have to pass on that. Yeah. Uh, but now they're doing. They're doing okay. We're doing okay. Ruth is uh, still trying to get over her bronchitis. She's got six negative COVID tests to sh- to prove that is not that. Uh. Just bronchitis been whooping her though. That's what happens. I mean, which you know, people with asthma really have a harder time to get over something like that because it's all about your lungs and so. But I think this last round will hopefully do the trick. I mean, she sounds better uh, pretty much daily, so I think she's hopefully on the mend. <laughs> on finally on the mend, so. We shall see. But yeah, other than that, nothing, uh, nothing real exciting. Um, yeah, just another chill week. Literally a chill week. Yeah, definitely a cold week we've had. I just just caught me had cold rain. Like I'm mm-hmm. cool with rain, but when it's freezing cold and it's raining, that's Bad combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because not just of the potential slick roads and whatnot. Just, <clears throat> just not comfortable hitting you. <laughs> yes. Uh, most 100%. Uh, I was out there. I was outside on that for roughly four hours for two straight days. And then the third day I was outside in for four hours. And, it, and then the snow started. I'm like, I'm... I, I mean, COVID may not get me, but pneumonia, pneumonia is definitely, uh, definitely coming after me with a vengeance, though. With the fluoronia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Oh my God. But no, I've dodged every single one though. Just common congestion nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's worse things <laughs> for sure. Um, so I'll, I'll take it. But apologies. Uh, Apologies if, uh, you know, there's a few coughs that wind up in the uh, final recording. <laughs> so I will do my best not to. Yeah. 
Man, if this wasn't a busy week for TV, I don't know what was. I would have thought it was like Sweeps Week, except it's all streaming, so they don't have that. But it is, uh, I had a busy week of TV. Uh, had the new episode of Boba Fett, and you're finally caught up. Yep. Awesome. So you, you've got to witness the two Mandalorian episodes that found its way into the Boba Fett series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you have the same feeling when did you have the same feeling when you were watching it as I did where you're like I don't remember I know I clicked on Boba Fett but I, f- I had to double check and you're like no it doesn't say Mandalorian it does say Boba Fett okay good yeah because I was watching the intro scene I was like okay he's maybe this is no I thought maybe it's like an extra episode for mm-hmm. Mandalorian then when it cut to the title scene I'm like Oh, we're still we're still here. <laughs> yep. We're still here. Then when the next episode started, I'm like, oh, we're we're still here. <laughs> oh, okay, we're still doing this. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I'm not mad. I ain't mad either. No, because the most recent one I think is probably my favorite, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a lot going on with characters that do not have the name Boba Fett in it. <laughs> nope. And I I just characters I didn't expect to see during this. Yeah. I expected it during. You know, a season of Mandalorian, but we're, I don't know. I don't. I guess they're just doing a little shameless plug for what they still have going on. I guess so. Are we talking about talking about Squidward? <laughs> I've seen I've, I've seen him though because I've, I've I've watched the the Clone Wars animated show, so he's popped up there. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. I was like, oh, yeah. look at that! It's some dude that's. Yeah, I forgot his name, but I was like, oh. I've seen the meme beforehand, but then I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember his character. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to mess with him. Yeah, never watched Clone Wars, so I'm like, a lot of the Clone Wars stuff that pops up, I'm like, all right, I'll find out when I get, I'll find out (laughs) when I talk to one of my friends that's far well more versed in Star Wars lore. Yeah. Those that have actually watched Clone Wars and know far more about this stuff than I do because I can't get into it, and that's just me. So, which is also okay, <clears throat> but it does make it a little more difficult. So, true. But yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, I don't know much about him, but from what I've seen, I'm like, yeah, you don't want to mess with him. <laughs> yeah. The dude is walking by himself in the desert. I've learned that that's usually somebody you don't want to mess with because they're obviously not all there. If they have, if they have not been able to find any means for transportation. Yeah, he gave you gives you one option. I'm like, you know what? Considering you're by yourself that's, out here, I'm good. Um, that, I'm going to do what you say. <laughs> that's literally somebody that has way too much time to think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's by himself? Yeah. Dude's crazy. I ain't going to mess with him. Nope. Not at all. But um, there's two good episodes. Yeah. More Grogu, more Luke-ish. Luke. But it was wish list, wish Luke. I don't know. It was Luke's better. Walker, yeah, it, it was it, better it, than it his was first better. appearance. There was moments yeah. where I was like, eh, they kind of, kind of fludged a little bit here and there. But for the most part, it was a lot better CGI. I was yeah. like, all right. And um, but, but yeah, leading up to those two episodes, I was just like, man, I'm having the same feeling like when I'm watching Peacemaker, where I don't care about the main character, but the, everybody it's else. The, yep. I like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we got these two episodes, I just 
forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah. Bubba who? What? Yeah. I'm like, you mean the dude from the Sarlacc pit? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, um, I mean, like, it, it did get better action-wise and story-wise. I mm-hmm. just didn't just didn't care about the main character. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Kind of in the same way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's gotten crazy. I can't wait to see what's going to happen, because I think they've only got a couple more episodes left. Yeah. I think a couple of series are starting to wind down for their yeah. season. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about this online campaign for Sebastian Stan, a.k.a. Bucky Barnes, to take over as Luke Skywalker? I'm surprised it hadn't happened already. Right? <laughs> like, I actually saw someone superimpose. I'm like, all right, I see it now. Yeah, yeah I'd be good with that. <clears throat> Won't have to worry about the CGI. Nope. Familiar with them. Wouldn't be bad. Yeah. You know, just kind of help save, help them save some money. You got a good actor that can pull it off, and boom. Now, as a segue, as a Sebastian Stan segue, <laughs> uh, I did watch the first three episodes of Pam and Tommy. Uh, <laughs> I thought about he, watching it. He, the, okay, so... <laughs> It's ridiculous is what it is. I mean, it's obviously going to be ridiculous. Kind of yeah. like that Carol Baskin, Joe Exotic dramatized show for whatever reason that we need that. Um, yeah. That, you know, it's it's ridiculous in that sense that these characters are very well acted. I mean, Sebastian Stanis, Tommy Lee is awesome. Uh, Willie Collins. Collins. I get my willies mixed up. Not the one that's Emily in Paris, but the other one that played Cinderella in the live action Disney movie, which is kind of funny. Um, anyways, uh, she does an amazing job as Pam Anderson. Like trying to do the, you know, kind of do the exact same voice. The act, like the acting in the show, they're not like, like they're taking these roles seriously, I guess is a good way to put it. So they're putting their all into the actor. They're not, they're not trying to do like kind of a campy version of it. Mm-hmm. So they're not trying to be campy about it and be silly. And and it's like they're taking it serious, playing it serious. And the fact that they're playing it the way they are just shows how just shows how ridiculous these people really were or are. I guess technically still are, but. <clears throat> for the sake of the TV show, we'll say were because of the time period. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, who knows how much of it is embellished as far as things that actually occurred <clears throat> and how much, you know, is true and how much was just to just make them the seem more. Yeah. For the show to make them seem more over the top. Yeah. Um, Seth Rogen is not, trying to be jokey jokey seth rogan he's playing it straight which is good which is good because you know those i kind of get tired of seth rogan as that guy you know as that guy and i kind of like him in a more of a in this kind of role where he finally gets to like i don't want to say act but in a dramatic kind of way acting not you know not just oh look he's high oh look there's another <laughs> joke um kind of kind of movie 
<clears throat> and Nick Offerman's really great as well. But the show, you know, starts out as Seth Rogen's character, Rand, as a carpenter that's building a bed for Tommy Lee and Pamela after they just got together, like they've only been together a couple of months. And so he's building this bed out of wood, out of like the, some was Madagascar pine or something like that. And it turns out to be like one of the hardest or one of the most expensive woods out there. And all of a sudden, you know, he's going doing all this. Tommy Lee owes him and the contractor a bunch of money. Like I think he owes Rand nine thousand, and the Lonnie, the con, the the contractor owes him I think fifteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't paid him. And so every time they try to confront him about it, it's like, what? You don't think I'm good for it? It's like, well, no, we know you are. That's why we want you to pay us because, you know, we're not getting the stuff for free. Like it's like Rand's talking about how he's like maxed out one of his credit cards just on supplies because he hasn't gotten paid yet. And so Tommy Lee ends up, you know, finally when they approach him again and about trying to get paid, he basically looks around and talks about how shoddy the work is and how he's not going to pay for any of this and then fires them. So, yeah, it's it, and it just kind of goes downhill from there. But it does show like the backstory of Tom. It also shows uh, the backstory of Tommy Lee and Pamela getting together in the first meeting, and then all you know, uh, all the way up through their to their very quick marriage. Yeah, and then uh, kind of lead it up to the present time of when of when the film takes place. And basically, Rand's character breaking into uh, Tommy Lee's place and stealing the stealing a gun safe that has guns and apparently videos. One of the videos being the video that they end up putting out of them, the infamous, we'll say the infamous sex tape. Before the Kardashians, there was Pam and Tommy Lee. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh. So it's pretty interesting. It, it is interesting. There is, there is, and it's on Hulu. There is some nudity. There is quite a bit of nudity, actually. Um, both um, of Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee, and of Sebastian Stan and Lily Collins. And there's one scene where Tommy Lee's legit having a conversation with his penis. And, like, it shows, obviously, it shows his fake penis, like, pretending like it's moving and talking to Tommy Lee. And I'm like, I I feel like this is like a sausage party callback of some sort. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't know, but it, I was like, all right, well, this shows how fantastical and not based in any sort of real reality that this show is trying to take place in. Yeah. But kind of just give an idea how ridiculous all these characters that are involved in this whole thing are, but it is, it's very entertaining. There is some good humor in it. Um, extremely well acted. Uh, but it is, uh, it is something it's a, it's definitely a car crash. You cannot look away from. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that much. Um, especially if you were alive when all this happened and you kind of remember how, 
like it's funny because they're trying to talk about how they could sell this on the internet. You could sell things on the internet, you know, it's just because it's still dial up and the internet's still really new. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's pretty interesting to say the least. Um, I'll pro- I'll keep watching it because again, it's the car crash that I can't look away from. <laughs> um. Oh, and then uh, you said you said you got caught up on Peacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of spoilers in this episode, so to speak, as far as um people we were people we were unaware that were infected by the I guess infected, we'll say infected by the butterflies. And then you know, it's stupid people doing stupid things. <laughs> It kind of first it kind of bummed me out, but then you know, when I finally caught up, I was like, okay, okay, cool. Because <laughs> it's like one of my favorite characters on the show, and I'm like, no, <laughs> but it's cool. Because I thought yeah. it was going one way, but it wasn't. It didn't end up, you know. But um, I like it again. Like I mentioned earlier, the supporting cast is just keeping my attention more than. Yes, John Cena. Even though his character is a little better within the last two episodes, but yeah, overall, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the character itself. I'm just not interested in. Not you know, it's like he's portraying it right, how it's written, but it's just just not my character, I guess. Yeah, but um, I feel that way too. Yeah, but um, it's still interesting. They got two episodes left, and um, I'm curious how the the last stretch will go. <laughs> Same. Uh, I do think one of my favorite parts is when they ended up, uh, when the detectives ended up leaving or letting uh, Augie Smith out of out of jail. Basically, you know, we're we're releasing you because you're. I mean, we're it's your son, not you. So we're going after him. Yeah. And he made some, you know racist comment to the Asian detective and then she says and then she, uh, she said that that was translated wrong it stands for <laughs> stands for what happened to your hair or something like that I don't know she made some she made yeah. some really sick burn about his hair I'm like thank you thank you <laughs> yes you're saying literally what all the viewers are thinking <laughs> and then he so, had nothing and it was awesome I was like I was like I feel like that one was from me <laughs> Feel like that burn was just for me yes. to, for me to enjoy. Better part of came in with that weak line, like, yeah, we didn't need that. <laughs> and we all have that friend, though, right? Yeah. Or at least like, we know we at least or we work with that person. Yeah, I was I was looking. I'm like, don't be that guy. Because <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> bruh, come on. Good, we we're good. We're... <laughs> no, just you kind of want to put your put your hand in. Move their push their face aside and move away. Yes. <laughs> like, go. No, you're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> Think for yourself, man. No, stop trying to jump in on my on my burn. Get your own. Get your own match. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I don't feel like talking about that one. Then uh, Amazon Prime decided to go run and uh, drop the new. The new uh, Jack Reacher series, just called Reacher, yep. and they 
they were really reaching for a uh, title. <clears throat> so, uh, this is based on the Lee Child books. Um, you know, based in this in the series, obviously not play. You know, Tom Cruise is not playing Jack Reacher, which I am thankful for. Those movies are fine; they're fun to watch, Never and that's about as it. They're okay. I mean, I I like them. You know, like guilty pleasure kind of like them. Like I'll watch them for sure, but and I'll be entertained. But Alan Richson is who portrays Jack Reacher in this one. This dude's like a built like a shit brick house or brick shit house, whatever. Either way, still he's built that way, <laughs> whichever way you want to word it. He's he is like huge, bros like a big as a dang oak tree. Yeah, but yeah, he's all. Want, folks still want to challenge him. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm seeing this dude. I go, I'm gonna right. see if I can. You want a candy bar? I'm gonna see if I can get you with diabetes because I ain't gonna be able to get you with anything else. Yeah, it's like whatever you want, man. Can I kill you with carbs? Let's see what I can do here. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only success you have. <laughs> right. That's it's not going to be any other way. I can beat mm-hmm. you with my wit because I think I'm probably wittier than Jack Reacher, but that's about it. Yeah. Depending on. Let's see. To a degree, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, basically, in the series, Jack Reacher uh, is arrested. First of all, he shows up in a small little Georgia town on foot. Well, he was on a Greyhound, got off the Greyhound, shows up on foot. Uh, there to, says he's there for a tourist attraction to visit basically this blues singer that grew up there. Yeah. And uh, was well known. So he came to visit there. Ends up getting arrested because he walked was walking into town on foot and someone was murdered on the side of the road that he traveled down. So therefore, you know, because two people, because two things occupy the same space, it means you're guilty. Right. <laughs> Convenience. Cause <laughs> nobody else ever goes down a road or walks down a road or drives down a road. So yeah. anyway, so he's arrested for a murder and now the police need his help, which is based on the books by weed child. Um, they find a body on the side of the road. He, by looking at pictures while he's being interrogated, then breaks down the entire crime scene that's in the photos. Yep. And basically just kills the, uh, kills any kind of, <laughs> any kind of argument the, the detective had. So, but yeah, it's, uh, something. Uh, Malcolm Goodwin's in it. Uh, he plays Finley. I really like. I really like him. Uh, he uh, was in the series I Zombie, which I really like too. Uh, he played uh, Clive Bebano, so he's same character more or less. He's, I guess you could say, typecasted, but uh, he's really good in this as well. And uh, <laughs> as kind of the uptight. Detect, you know, police de- Yankee police detective because he's from Boston and it took this job there. And uh, so they basically some shenanigans are going on uh, in that in this sleepy little small town. And 
come to find out that Jack Reacher, his brother, dies. So he is one of the, is a victim of this of the this or of these killers. Yeah. Three of them in like hazmat suits, more or less. You never see who they are. And so he's not going anywhere because now he's going to find out one why his brother was there. And because his brother worked Secret Service, but he didn't really know what he did. So he has to find out why he was there and what basically what caused, you know, who killed him and for what reason. So, yeah. And then a lot of uh, a lot of butt kicking ensues. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of butt kicking ensues for eight whole episodes. This, I mean, this thing keeps you going too. Like it's, it's pretty much nonstop for eight episodes. It really doesn't take time to breathe, no. but yet it does a great job at what it does well. Other than uh, showing real good action, is it the stories? I mean, the stories obviously from a book, but I mean, you can you can translate things from a book and it'd be worse. But this one keeps you on your toes, makes you want to keep watching. Like, it's really well planned out how they decide to break the book down into eight episodes instead of just another movie. So, uh, yeah, no, this, the, the acting's really well done. I'm now a huge fan of <laughs> Alan Richardson, so I'll watch whatever he's in because he's, he plays stoic very well. Yeah. But he can also do like really dry, like he does has really good timing for like dry humor. Yep. And uh, for being as huge as this dude is, he's actually pretty flexible. I mean, if you think about most big guys that you know, or for people that watch wrestling, because this guy's built like a football player or a wrestler. Yeah. He he's got some really good movement for someone that is that big. Because usually big guys don't have as their flexibility and their movement is not as, uh, I don't know what the word is, but they don't have, they don't it's, very, it's limited. Well, yeah, there you go. Not as yeah. agile. They're all kind of limited. So. It's like John Cena and Peacemaker in him. Yeah. And I started thinking, like, if they couldn't get John Cena to do that role, he'd have, he'd have been perfect oh, Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but watching this season, the series, um, I'd actually watched, not watched, I'd read the book that this first season is based on, mm-hmm. The Killing Floor. So I was like, ooh, I think that's kind of why I burned through it so quick, because I was already kind of familiar with the story. Yeah. And the fact that this whole season just takes care of that whole book. But it's been like a couple years since I read it. So some things were a little foggy, but um, pretty, pretty on point with everything. I mean, I, I feel like they may have taken some liberty, of course, with adapting mm-hmm. it, but that always happens. But yeah. Still, I think they did pretty pretty damn good job with it. Yeah. Um, the only thing I th- I found that I had a problem with is that basically Jack Reacher was in a Fast and Furious movie in the sense that he's bulletproof. <laughs> it's like he's like he doesn't get hurt. Like even when he got his butt kicked, yeah, he, re- he still kept bouncing right back up like he just been slapped. I'm like, bruh, come on. Yeah. I think at one point my got stabbed or sliced and like, all right, I still got to do what I got to do. <laughs> no, even, even Finley gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
you know, know. He, and that's the only thing I wished um, would have happened was for him to at least be slowed down a little bit. Like, have yeah. something that will have to slow him down, one, you know, in one way or another. Either have him drugged up to where he's not, or he's either hallucinating, and so it's making him harder to to move because he's yeah. drugged up, or or at least at least be shot or stabbed or something to where he has to kind of have to persevere through the injury. But no, I mean, it's, it's just it's pretty. It's pretty spot on to how the book went. Like he didn't really take much damage in that either. So it's. Just, Kind of holding too true to the to the, to the story. I about to say he's got one of those Vin Diesel and Rock uh, <laughs> contracts. Clauses. Yeah, clauses in their contract. Like you can only uh, you only punch me two or three times and maybe one slice, and yep. then that's it. Once you once you check those boxes, I do whatever. <laughs> I, I'm a, I, I'm allowed one sick burn. <laughs> Y'all are allowed one sick burn per episode. <laughs> I'd like to see a spoof movie on that. They just kind of kind of points that out. It's yeah. Like, uh, you shot, punched, and, and stabbed me. Now the rest of the way, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, yep. I'm invincible now. So yep. <laughs> On. Uh, yeah. But no, really, uh, I kind of I'm already ready for like a second season. <laughs> I mean, if it's based a, on the next book, cool. I mean, give me a reason to start reading that. So I've got the first three or four, I believe. Oh, okay. But then I got thinking as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh my god, because it's all on Prime. I would mm-hmm. love to see a Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan, the two Jacks. <laughs> Jack of all but, trades. Yep, Jack of all <laughs> trades. The only problem is it is by two different authors, Tom Clancy and Lee Child. But it still would be pretty awesome, though. Like one's the analyst, fan, fan one's yeah. One's the analyst, the other one's the muscle. Yep. <clears throat> no, but I'd, I'd really like that. That'd be kind of cool. Ooh, we could have a three-peat Jack. You could have uh, Jack Ryan's in charge, finds out what's the actual terrorist plot. He calls, he calls the, uh, he calls CTU, gets gets a hold of uh, Jack Bauer, who then reaches out to a friend named Jack, named Jack Reacher. There you go. Yeah. Be a cool little fan fiction, fan fiction series. Mm-hmm. Yep. Called called Three One Eye Jacks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Three of a kind. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Work in progress. But yeah, I'm very excited. So I, I'll probably, I'll honestly, I'll probably, I will probably rewatch that one. So it's definitely rewatchable. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Jack Reacher, highly recommend on the Amazon Prime. Uh, I think you hit, think you got one more to talk about. Yeah, I finally finished the second season of uh, Wu-Tang and American Saga. And um, I believe it got picked up for one more season, and then that's supposed to be the final season. But um, this, the second, well, the first season is more or less just kind of backdrop of how they were how things were growing up for the Wu-Tang members how they kind of had their differences growing up and this is more them ironing out those differences so they can make it big in the industry because you know the RZA tried to do it on his own the you know the executives kind of took advantage of him 
and he he wasn't successful. So now he's just like, okay, I gotta do it with everybody. Everybody in my crew I come out with a you know a song with everybody's on it. And the last four episodes, I really enjoy because uh, episode six was him going into like making the actual track, going to his mind where he was listening to old music. So he had like band playing with the singers, and then he would kind of just cut out certain points and he'd literally make them disappear from the screen and bring them in, slow it down, speed it up. It was just cool going into that whole process. And um, then them finally recording their songs. And like, I was never really big in, on Wu-Tang when they came out, but I like songs that they released. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never like when they first dropped their album, I never had an album. So, but to hear, to see the backstory of everything and it just kind of makes you appreciate it music yeah. a little more. And, um, but yeah, they they went through some stuff, and yeah, it's inter- it's interesting. I'm I'm curious what they'll do with the third season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Well, um, I ended up having to help York with a school project uh, last night, so I did not make it out to uh, to the theater this week. So no feature presentation which we both have watched but you managed to go out so i will let you go first well, i mean it's also your week to go first all right so <clears throat> i did make it out to go see jackass forever and for <laughs> me being i've only watched a series like so i hadn't watched any of the other oh you hadn't jackass watched movies so this oh, is like okay. my first as far as the movies go watching and um I laughed. I laughed harder than I have before watching anything else. <laughs> but um, I had a runtime of an hour and 36 minutes, so I was able to go before work. And the only thing I wasn't able to stay for, they had something at the end, which is mostly like interview with the cast. Because mm-hmm. they had introduced like three new three new members to their crew. And um, from what I did watch, it's just kind of getting their thoughts on being there, how it was with them growing up watching it and them coming in new how was that experience but i may go back and watch it just so i can check out that last they are on when did i watch them because i I think it's on peacock it's either on peacock or paramount plus okay um i watch because i in preparation of fully planning on going to go see the new jackass movie went back you know, because, you know, I'm trying to do research <laughs> on Jackass <laughs> movies. Um, I went back, rewatched the first and second one. Yeah. And uh, I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably rewatch the third one here. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I've decided that I really, and I, I agree, like, there's a lot of stuff that they do that I, I will laugh heartily at. And there's some things I'm like, this is just stupid. Like anything that they like, which is going to be like saying that about a jackass movie is, I know pretty, where do we start? But yeah, but there's some things in, and I believe it's the second one. First one, they go to Japan. Like there's some scenes about them going to Japan and we man gets in this giant cone and then just walks around the streets of Japan in this giant cone and ends up walking like an escalator and stuff like that. Like he's just in it. And he's like, I mean, it's giant. It's like a five foot, you know, three or four foot cone. Yeah. And, 
And he's just like walking around. It looks so stupid, but I'm like busting up laughing. And then um, there's another one like what they're having to read some. They're at some hotel and they're having to read this note that a fan had written because they knew that they were staying at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And so the print gets smaller. So you're having to get closer. And on the other side is Johnny Knoxville and a freaking like <laughs> boxing glove pops out and, you know, knocks the crap out of them whenever they get too close. Yeah. For Wee Man, they had to get a chair for him to stand on. And and it's like right after, like right outside the elevator. So it's kind of a weird place for a chair to be. And like, why would. And after he got, I mean, he got flattened. I mean, he got knocked clear off that chair. Yeah. But it's one of those. It's like, they're like, who would put a chair here? This is like the most random place to put a chair. It's like, you should have known something was up. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, stupid things like that. Like, I'll laugh my butt off. Um, Johnny Knoxville tying uh, bottle rockets or fireworks to his rollerblades. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's freaking, you know, I'm like, okay, I do kind of what, you know, that probably would be kind of fun to do. Or they're on a, on a boat dock and, uh, and they attach like fireworks or whatever, uh, to a shopping cart and they sit in it and there's a ramp. So they let it go and shoot them up into the air and fall in the water. Stuff like that. That sort of stuff I find hilarious. Yeah. Even the scene where they're like on a four person uh, seesaw thing in the middle, in the middle of a uh, of a corral, and they let a bull out. So you have to jump up before the bull hits you, and then the bull hits you, you're out of the game, and yeah. it's whoever's left. That stuff is even kind of funny, even though it's you know. But when they do stuff like. Steve-O was having a bottle rocket shoot out of his butt. That sort of stuff, I'm like, not as funny. Uh, One of them had what looked like a sock puppet almost, but it's a mouse that they stuck (laughs) through a hole hole in a, basically like a, what do they call those? Not a snake tank. They're like, not aquariums. Keep going. Oh, reptile cage, whatever you want to call it. Whatever. I know, I know it, but I'm just drawing a blank on it. And terrarium. I think it's something like that. Um, and the snake basically is going around and then like trying to attack it and then ends up biting biting the mouse, which is obviously not a mouse, it's a penis. And like that stuff, I'm like I'm not as like I don't need to see or want to see. I don't find that funny. I find yeah. that just I find that stuff just stupid. I mean, if I was in my 20s and in college, yeah, maybe or in high school, I'd probably find that damn hilarious. But like, what going back and rewatching these, not so much. Yeah, so, you might not like the intro then. <laughs> I mean, it's not nothing. Trust me, it's not gonna be anything worse than us in the last three movies. But it's just, you know, I, I've just realized as I've gotten older, I don't laugh as, you know, it's stupid stuff like that. But I'll laugh at ridiculous stunts and and uh, things of that nature. But yeah. but that's just me. That's all my review. And sorry, I didn't mean to, but 
but in front of you and uh, kind of interrupt your review of the fourth one. I mean, it's pretty much the same stuff. <laughs> so they're just older. From, yeah, they're just older, and you're just thinking like you're too old to be doing this. Like the poster I picked back here. Yeah, Giant Nice one literally gets knocked out. <laughs> He's out like snoring, like snoring. Uh, <laughs> he fights Butterbean in a uh, in a retail store boxing match. Mm-hmm. And Butterbean knocks him the hell out, and he's yeah. snoring in there too. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, he but got yeah. TKO'd. <laughs> but I'll say, like the intro, it is, it it's it's penis heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I laugh just just because of how everything was. It's it's like a sequence of things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just laugh. I was like, man, the intro for me was just hilarious i'm like even if yeah. i don't laugh anything else this mm-hmm. was just funny um like i said they got like three new members uh rachel wolfson devon wilson and they got a guy named poopies <laughs> he kind of sounds like um yeah. uh what's dude's name he was in deadpool played the, um, the sidekick i can't think of his name oh yeah uh yeah the Karan Karan sonar I think that that's the actor's real name. Dopinder is who you're thinking of. No, no. Other guy. I don't, uh, no. Uh, glasses. Oh, T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller, yeah. He yeah. kind of sounds like him when he talks. Oh, God. Um, I mean, not it's not bad, but it's like it kind of reminded me. It's not like spot on, but certain, you know, pitch. Some, some yeah. you know, way he talks, it yeah. just comes off like that. But um, he's pretty funny. and But it's just a bunch of skits and stunts. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with Jackass and it's and that's your kind of comedy, you'll like it. If it's not your thing, then it's just not your thing. If it's not yeah. your thing, you weren't gonna go see this anyways. Right. Right. But I I mean I kinda wanna watch the other ones. But I feel like this was kind of a maybe a callback from older ones where they're just older doing the same thing. Yeah. So you might have see may see some things you've seen before. Cause um they did show some stuff at the end, like some credits where they were showing oh. past things. So but it was still funny. Um, yeah, I laughed. It was, it was a good laugh, even though when I got to work, it was a busy, crazy day. I probably should have waited till after so I could laugh it away. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it, I laughed. I was, it was a good, necessary laugh that I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. And that's kind of why I started rewatching them. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and rewatch. It's like I've seen them, but I, I mean, it's been forever since I've watched them because it's not something, it's not generally my type of humor but you know i'll watch them from time to time and yeah it it <laughs> so i'll go out eventually and go see this um hopefully sometime this week i'll be able to york really wants to watch them and i i'm like no like i'm rewatch when i was rewatching the first one i go no but what i did do is i showed him a couple of the safer ones to watch yeah i'm like here he doesn't need to see the whole thing but he can see clips and different ones you know here you go you yeah, watch this a, one you're watch this one all right there's like i showed like him that. the cone one i yeah. showed him the cone one i showed him um you know some of the just dumber things like there's one where they're all dressed as pandas running through japan running through tokyo yeah. <laughs> just in panda outfits knocking you know pushing each other into different things and just stupid things like that but yeah it's like I show them the, those that aren't, you know, that would be safe to watch. I guess is a good way to word that for sure. 
Yeah, there's a few like that. There, there's a few safe ones. There's one I really want to. Nah, I'm not gonna mention it, but it, it's hilarious. It okay. just takes it takes place in the dark. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. It's funny. Funny. Is it like a medicine ball thing? Because they did one where they did a medicine ball in the dark. No. And they had to throw. They're basically is playing medicine ball dodgeball, except in the dark. No, it's not okay. like that. It's oh, okay. some some different. Something else. Okay. That was just pretty. It's pretty hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, I wanted to. I watched two fairly uh, heavy movies um, mm-hmm. as far as tone and subject matter. So I wanted to find one that would be good because I wanted to have at least one movie to talk about in which um, someone can possibly do a family movie night or just you know, for, you know, for kids of some sort, you know, or at least yeah. some age. So I'd remember there was a Netflix film that I've been wanting to watch with Yorick and we just I, we were going to and then I forgot about it. And here we are seven months later, almost eight months, and I'm finally remembering it. I watched the Netflix film Skater Girl. Don't be a hater, girl. I don't know. <laughs> um, now, Skater Girl uh, came out last year, 2021, June 11th, 2021, on Netflix. It's uh, when a rural, a teen in rural India discovers a life-changing passion for skateboarding. She faces a rough road as she follows her dream to compete. Written and directed by Manjari Makijani, starring Rachel Sanchita Gupta as Purina, and Amy Magara as Jessica, Jonathan Reedwin as Eric, and then Wahida Rahim Raham as Maharani. Uh, Kimla Skill as Daddy and Anurag Arora as Mahesh and Shifan Patel as Inkush. So this movie is based. I'm doing kind of you can't. It's an audio medium. I'm doing the kind of the wishy-washy kind of sort sort of um, so so kind of a true story. Uh, it's it's a narrative film, but it, you would have thought as you're watching it, you're learning so much that you feel like it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. But it's a narrative film, and basically, uh, Perna's uh, role as sister is she helps the family take care of things as far as uh, take care of the cleaning at the house, helps sell nuts at the peanuts at the you know local market doing you know working in the fields while her while her brother goes to school and at one point they go to pick her brother up you know, basically her and her dad go and pick her brother up and the teacher asks why she hasn't been at school and so she had to go to school the next day but she didn't have a uniform that fit because it had been so long and so her brother steals from somebody else's house and she tries to dye her. She tries to dye those clothes, the colors of the school clothes or school colors so that she would be in uniform. 
but it turns out not only did she, was she not in actual uniform, but she also didn't have the textbook. So the teacher kicked her out of the school and told her to go clean the walkway area. So, yeah. Um, India is a cast is part of the caste system. They're not, you know, it's not like class it's caste. So you're born into a station you're born into a certain, you, you'll never live. Basically you will never live above this sort of means. So, cause that's what you were born into. And that, this movie does an amazing job get going into that and what it's like for, because people that are in a higher caste do not socialize, even if they're kids do not socialize with kids in a lower caste. And, you know, people in the lower caste aren't allowed to socialize with those in a higher one, even if they do go to school. Uh, Printed ends up making friends with one of the kids that technically is in a higher caste system. Mm-hmm. Then her, uh, they become end up becoming friends, but it's one of those, they're friends, but their parents don't know about it type of thing, other than that they're in, you know, school together. So then Jessica wants, Jessica, who is from London, but whose father is of Indian descent, so she speaks Hindi, Hindi and speaks it very well. She's there kind of just trying to, I think, find out where her father grew up and kind of see his roots and where he grew up. In doing so, meets Prina, who has like this really almost like homemade skateboard. You know, they basically took like four boards and, you know, three or four kind of looks like boards for a fence or something like that. And they have like these trucks with really bad bearings on them for wheels. So it doesn't go very well. And so then Jessica ends up showing them like what a skateboard is and how, and how they work. Lo and behold, her friend Eric comes in who'd been, who's from LA, but he'd been working in India from, a, you know, doing the, I think he teaches or, in a, like some other village and he ends up coming to, to where she's at and they then start introducing, he comes in on an actual skateboard and then they end up teaching the, you know, letting all the kids take turns riding it. They all fall in love with it. So they, so Jessica ends up ordering a bunch of skateboards for all the kids in the small little village. And then they all start learning how to ride them. Uh, much like, here in the States, in India, they started making rules because a lot of the kids were missing school because they were riding their skateboards. And so basically saying they were not allowed to ride their skateboards because it's a nuisance. So Jessica ends up making a rule with the kids. Listen, you will not get any skateboarding lessons until you go to, unless, you know, until you go to school. So no, no school, no skateboarding. And they're like, she put up signs around town basically saying that. So, you know, the village is a little, uh, they're slow to get on board with it. I guess it's a good way to put it. And, you know, because these, these people that are not from, you know, that are coming, that are coming in to disrupt, you know, the way of life they've been accustomed to. And, they end up building 
Jessica goes to try and find a place for them to go skateboard since they can't do it in the you know in the streets of the village anymore. Everywhere she goes, she's find you know she's running in into basically uh, roadblocks, obst- obstacles. There we go. We'll just use a good skateboarding metaphor: obstacles that she's not able to grind over or weep over. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I ain't over this one. Uh, she ends up getting in touch with, I guess the queen and talking to her and the queen decides to donate some land for them to build a skate park, essentially. And then Eric gets a hold of a bunch of his friends and they come and they all get together and they build a skate park and for these kids to use. And then in doing so, they decide that Jessica gets a hold of a couple of people and they decide to have to set up a competition. So these kids will practice more to want to compete. And then the more that they see everybody practicing, um, Prayer's dad, you know, basically is not on board with all this. She ends up hurting herself. So hurting her ankle, which means that she can't work, which means she can't help out around the house and do all the roles that she's supposed to be doing. And so basically he decides that he's just going to, that you know, it's time for her to grow up. That she's going to need to get married, more or less. And she's in high. I mean, we're talking teenager. So yeah. this movie also explores what kids have to go through, especially girls, um, once they reach a certain age and arrange marriages, and how that type of culture works. It's a great, and there's no. I mean, this it's it's mostly subtitled, but obviously the English, you know the the English people speak English, and but uh, Jessica does speak Hindi, so she you know gets translated. <laughs> so I think this is a very great movie for people to watch with their families. I mean, you can learn a lot and teach your, and teach kids a lot about you know just always following your dreams. Like, don't give up. If you have a dream, pursue it because you never know what might happen. But also, hey, you know, learning about the difference between, you know, a a caste system and a class system and learning those differences and then also learning what it's like, for you know, for people that live in other countries and see how they what they have to go through, which is different from the, you know, what we have to go through. So I think it's a very, you know, as much as this is fun and entertaining to watch, it's also very educational. Like I kept watching this going like, there's so many things like I would love for you to watch this. Yeah. He would have to read it, but that's, you know, that's fine. And it isn't one that you could just put on like a, there's, it's not a dub version. So like if you go to audio, you can't switch it to English and, yeah, it, it's one you'll have to, you know, it's just subtitle only that you'll have to read. What, but it's very well done. I, I absolutely loved it. So I looked it up to see if it was actually based on, if it was just a fictional movie or if it was based on real events. So what I found was that, uh, <laughs> I found an article that says Netflix India film uh, Skater Girl accused of depicting real life story without due credits. So it says here that 
they think that the movie was based on actual skateboarder named Asha Gon, who's uh, says the story was stolen by Netflix without permission or appropriate compensation to create their film. Skater Girl, uh, please provide just compensation to Asha and her family and others involved instead of capitalizing on stories of marginalized indigenous tribe communities. And anyways, um, but Asha Gong is known as the barefoot skater. Um, she too was, you know, a teenage girl that learned how to ride a skateboard at a young age, you know, uh, and having to learn how to do it basically the same way this story kind of plays out. And is, I believe, a still, I believe she's a professional skater from what I read. Um, but it is a very interesting movie. And you can actually, so they actually built this skate park in India for this movie. And then they left it in the, they left it for where they filmed it in this, uh, in this town or this village. Mm-hmm. So all the townspeople can use it. Like after they left, basically, they, you know, they kind of, they made a movie and, uh, as a thank you, more or less just left the skate park for all the kids to use. And you can actually look it up on Google earth and all that. So pretty cool. Um, highly recommend skater girl. Check it out. Alrighty. So I made it, to out to see this year's disaster flick <laughs> the first one you mean <laughs> yeah uh called moonfall i'm guessing you weren't talking about jackass <laughs> no <laughs> no um does have a runtime of two hours and ten minutes uh directed by roland emmerich starring halle berry patrick wilson john bradley michael pena Charlie Plummer, Kelly Yu, and even Donald Sutherland makes an appearance. Um, A mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with with life as we know it. So it starts off in 2011 with the astronauts on a mission to repair a satellite. And while they're doing so, this kind of weird entity... Which looks like a bunch of nanobots mm-hmm. comes flying around, and there's three three astronauts: Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, plus a third, which you know, that's the that's the red shirt. <laughs> yep. So anyway, he ends up being knocked off into space, no oxygen, and Patrick Wilson plays Brian Harper, and Halle Berry's uh, Joe Fowler. So they get back, and he's trying to explain to them what happens. And, of course, they don't believe him. He's like, there was some kind of creature, some kind of alien force up there, and they think he's crazy. And they basically ask, um, I Barry's Jocinda Fowler, so could this be summed up as just some kind of electric failure, some kind of failure with the, with, the, with the electronics? It's like, you know, it could be that, but... And so basically, they just don't believe him. And so they basically make him a disgraced astronaut, and he goes off and kind of you know, they, they fast forward to present day and he's no longer i guess recognized at nasa he's stuck teaching classes at this museum you know just talking about his yesteryear yeah and um 
And you have John Bradley playing Casey Houseman, who's kind of like this conspiracy theorist. And he pretends to be a janitor and he sneaks into this guy's office looking up information from NASA and he just steals information and he discovers that the moon is off its act, off its orbit and whatnot. And so he tries to go to this, to where Brian Harper's speaking to these kids, to try to tell them about what's going on and need your help so we can let people know. Mm-hmm. But again, he too is looked at as crazy and, you know, gets ignored. So he goes to the social media, Twitter and whatnot, and that's mm-hmm. how it gets out. And NASA knows about it, but they're trying to keep it a hush-hush. But because of KC, everybody knows about it now, so they got to deal mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> so they figure they have, like, months to prepare so they can try to figure things out. But then yeah. they're looking at the traje- trajectory. You got it. So now we've got weeks. <laughs> we've got weeks. Right. And somehow this, it just seems like it's days or even hours. It's just Things just kind of just move along pretty quick. But um, so Joe is now Joe Fowler. She's now like in a high position. So she pulls Brian back in and try to get him to help so they can go on a mission to go to the moon to try to figure out what's going on. And, you know, KC is like the moon isn't what you think it is. It's not like some planetary thing. It's a megastructure, something that was built, created and whatnot. And nobody's going to believe that. Uh, um, but essentially it's basically you have this sentient AI that's gone haywire that's trying to destroy the moon and if they're not able to destroy it the moon's going to crash into the earth and that's pretty much like don't look up in a way yeah. instead of astro- seven asteroids the moon and um, you know and it's just your normal people got to get from point A to point B to either get the shelter kind of felt like that, what is it? Um, day after tomorrow, kind of felt like that. Yeah. Oh, also um, directed by Roland Emmerich. Yep. And <laughs> Independence Day. Also directed by Roland Emmerich. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got similar themes, tones, you know. So you've seen it before. Um, I mostly went to see it because I knew it was going to be visually cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it did. It definitely was that. Um. I feel like with what they got, the you know the cast, they did they did fine with what they had. It's 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 okay. Um, you have a did you have anything to do with 2012? <laughs> yes. Okay, so it explains it's the car scene. Yep. <laughs> so there's a little car chasing in there as well for some some extra spice. Um, so, if there's like a, <laughs> if there's some if there's some uh, part where they. Um, in order to figure out how to do this, they have to basically link their subconscious into a game. Then that covers the 13th floor. <laughs> well, there's something that deals with subconscious <laughs> on okay. a certain level. So mm. it has, has yeah. elements of it. Oh, boy. And it's, it's a point toward the end where they kind of just reveal what's really going on and why it's happening. And um, But it, it's cool. I mean, it's something... <laughs> Well, it's kind of like your 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 approach to uh, Morbius. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the movie, but it's just it's, it exists. This is a movie that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's in 40x. I didn't go to see that. I, I thought about it, but I'm like, uh, nah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you would have seen Jackass Forever in 40x? No, I don't want to imagine that. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> There'll probably be some modified seats. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I would never do 40x again. Especially considering, you know, the water elements yeah. that they had, which may not have been water, but Exactly. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. um but yeah, Moonfall. If if disaster movies are your thing, you're gonna like it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're probably not gonna watch it. But if I like it. If you're if you're over it, then you're over it. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't but, disappointed because I knew what I was getting into. It was well, cool I think for that's for honestly for I think for pretty much the movies you're covering today. Yeah. And really to be to a to a point, the movies even I'm covering covering today, you kind of understand what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, other than the one I just talked about, the other two that are the subject matter. So, like, you're not going in expecting to laugh out the two I'm about to talk about. So, yeah. yeah. Um, There is a moment toward the end also that kind of make you think moment. Yeah. You know, but outside of that, it's just your normal disaster movie. Cool. 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 Yeah. <sighs> awesome. Okay. Um. So I watched this a couple of weeks ago and I've been putting off on talking about it mainly because two weeks ago I had a lot to talk about. I wasn't able to, we were running along and I didn't want to squeeze it in or force, you know, to force it. Then last week you had one talking about school shooting and I really didn't want to do two movies having to deal with that type of subject matter. So I'm like, I'll just hold it off one more week. It's fine. It's not going anywhere. Um, it's the beauty of movies. You can really talk about it whenever you want. It, yeah. People will watch it if they want to, no matter, you know, they don't have to watch it as soon as it comes out. If it's, if it's good. So I watched, uh, the movie mass M a S S on the recommendation from past guest and, uh, director Rod Lurie, who, uh, directed the outpost and we had on last summer. Uh, he was talking about how this movie, the acting in it is like all four people. And there's really out of this entire movie, there are six, I think I counted six or seven people total in the movie. That's it. And three of them have very, very small parts. Yeah. It is centered on these four people. Uh, Mass is written and directed by Fran Kranz or Fran Kranz. I think it's German. It's a Fran. Um, it's basically the uh, quick synopsis. After it's the aftermath of a violent tragedy that affects the lives of two couples in different ways. Mass stars Jason Isaacs, which most people will know as Malfoy's dad in the Harry Potter movies, Martha Plimpton, who most people will probably know from either Goonies or um, Lucas, you know, 80s movies mainly, uh, or Raising Hope, if you uh, remember that show in the mid-2000s that was on TV with uh, Garrett Delahunt and a couple, uh, Kate Micucci and a couple other people. It's a very funny show, and she was awesome. Uh, and Dowd, which everybody knows from Handmaid's Tale. Um, and then Reed Burney, who I legit thought was, uh, now of course I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, was the guy, was the police captain from the Beverly Hills Cop movies and the guy from Robocop, the bad guy from Robocop. 
I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name. Ronnie Cox. That's his name. There we go. I'll get there. Uh, not him. It's it's uh, this actor, Reed Bernie, who's also amazing. So you're watching this movie. It's very it's going to be very slow paced. Mm-hmm. And this movie, within the first 10 minutes, I'm like, I wonder if this was based on a play. Not based on a play, but it's set up in a way that it could easily be translated into a play. Because it takes place in like a community room of a church. Uh, it's two sets of parents that sit down at a table. They kind of make small talk for a few very uncomfortable small talk. And you're like, okay, are these, you don't really know the relationships and you really don't know much about them. And really you're about 40 minutes ish, give or take into the movie before you realize why they're there, what they're doing, you know, why they're there and why they're very uncomfortable around each other. Uh, Jason Isaacs plays Jay, Martha Plimpton plays Gail, Jay and Gail are a couple, and out plays Linda, Reed, Bernie plays Richard, and Linda and Richard are, are a couple. They're both, both sets of parents are, are best. both couples are parents, and basically they get together, they got together to... I guess, uh, get some closure. Linda and Richard's son uh, was a shooter at a uh, school shooting. And uh, Gail and Jay had a son who was one of the victims of the school shooting. And it's really kind of, like, to be honest with you, I thought it was two couples, one that got together because their kids basically had, you know, we're going to have a baby and end up having an abortion and it's about this talk or, or wants to have one. Like it's, it's so vague for the longest time that you can't really figure out why they don't like each other. And I'm like, well, cause I'm trying to think of why would they meet at a church for right. one instead of just, you know, but I mean, if you think about it, it probably didn't cost them anything to use the room. You know, it's a neutral, it's a neutral location where they can, you know, there's like, no one's going to feel intimidated because of neutral, you know, of being somewhere where I guess you could say it's not, you know, home field advantage or whatever. It's a neutral location where they could have some privacy instead of a restaurant where it's loud and you can't hear anything. And, so for the longest time, I'm like trying to figure this out. And then finally, uh, Martha Plimpton's character, uh, Gail, finally, you know, is able to get out the words, although she does a masterful job having, you know, just showing the difficulty and how much pain and anguish she still has and trying to talk about this. And she says, basically, she took, because, uh, Linda and Richard are talking about their son and she finally says, why do I want to know about your son? Because he killed mine. So 
it uh it is a very heavy movie with amazing amazing acting showing the pain that every parent in this you know every character in this film is going through and it's so gut-wrenching because you you feel for both sets like you feel for Wendy and Richard because they know they didn't raise their son to be like this but at the same time they didn't do anything to and they knew he was going through some stuff but they didn't think he'd ever do something like this but they never did anything to really protect their kid from being able to get a hold of a firearm. And then so doing this and the guilt that they feel about everything that happened. Um, Meanwhile, Jane Gill, Jay's been more vocal going on TV, going and doing talks about gun violence and about, you know, losing a child to school shootings. And this is how he's trying to get his closure, how he's trying to find some way to get some answers and trying to invoke some change. And Gail is just suffering because she's missing her son. It's a very, there are some very restrained moments in this. Like you can see, they're just holding back so much anger and frustration like it's just it's beautiful to watch because you kind of lose yourself watching this going oh wow wait a minute they're acting like the like you kind of forget that these people are are actually acting this out and it's not something that's really occurred and it's just yeah it's it is a character study for sure and really should be used to help teach some acting classes like this should be like a reference that people use like, Hey, let me show you some, you know, some great scenes from this movie to kind of give you some inspiration into this kind of character and what you could, how you can show restraint and how you can show that you like Jason Knight's character just looks battle worn. Just, just weary like he hasn't gotten much sleep and he's doing everything he can to keep moving along but it is yeah it's fascinating film and it just it really pulls it i mean it really it'll get you it is <laughs> it is so good i i would definitely recommend it. this is you know if you like very well acted movies be in the right headspace to watch it um, and know that it's not going to be, it's not going to be a, a feel good. It, it'll, it'll wear on you, but it is so good. It is so masterful in its acting and its dialogue and directing too. I mean, it's just an all around great film. And I really hope some sort of nominations could come out of this, but it is such a small film that I don't know. So fingers crossed though. Um, it's mass. It's on, on demand at the moment. So I watched it on iTunes. So my last one went back in time a little bit to 2009 and I checked out the movie Gamer. Okay. On September 4th of 09, hour and 35 minute runtime, directed by Mark, I guess it's Neville Dean. 
stars Gerard Butler as uh, John Cable Tillman. You have Michael C. Hall as Ken Castle. Amber Valletta as Angie Nika Roth Tillman. Uh, you have Logan Learman. Terry Crews makes an appearance in this as oh. Hackman. Uh, Ludacris plays brother. Ludacris. He plays brother. My brother. Really brother. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Kara Sedgwick as Gina Parker Smith and John Leguizamo plays Freak. Uh, in a future mind controlling game, Death Row convicts are forced to battle in a Doom type environment. Uh, convict Cable, controlled by Simon, a skilled teenage gamer, must survive 30 sessions in order to be set free. So, in this world, Ken Castle has created, like, taken some, like, nanites. And what it was created to kind of repl- replace brain tissue. Mm-hmm. And it also allows humans to control other humans. And the way they do that is in a game he created called Society, where he basically can manipulate other people as if they're avatars to do whatever the user who pays to play has them do. And um, then on the flip side, you have a game called Slayers, which is a first-person shooter, whereas the characters, instead of being just normal citizens, they're death row prisoners. And instead of being paid, these prisoners are given an opportunity to be set free if they're able to survive those 30 sessions. And so far, nobody's made it past five or six or whatever, except for Cable, who now is on, like, 27 or 28 when he's really close to being able to get his freedom back so we can go to his wife and daughter and of course you know you can't let that happen <laughs> yeah so um it's basically he's controlled by this teenager named simon although sometimes he's able to have control himself but there's like a, a thing they call ping which is like mm-hmm. lag so from the input that the user has and his reaction you know, it could be the difference between him living or dying. But so yeah. far, he's been able to maintain some kind of control. Um, but so at some point, you have Ludacris and his team that creates a way to kind of give him freedom to do whatever. And um, on the opposite end, Castle has introduced Hackman, who has no strings, which, and there's a scene with Terry Crews, they're in the locker room, and he's singing this creepy rendition of kind of his version, like kind of reminded me of Ultron and age of Ultron was talking about I have no strings on me. And he's oh, kind of yeah. singing the song. I'm just like, you know, I sometimes forget how creepy Terry Crews can be when he wants to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was reading a comment on a YouTube video. Cause I rewatched the scene and saying, you know, these old spice commercials just getting creepier and creepier. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and so he's basically set out to try to stop him, And, um, basically just, he dies. That's it. Or if he, you know, 30, 30 sessions are completed. He's free. Um, I like Michael C. Hall in this too. Is oh, very, yeah. Yeah, very Dexter esque in this as well. There's a scene where he's basically dancing and showing he controls people. Like, yeah. he does. He does kind of explain a little bit that he he has had the procedure done too, but it's kind of the opposite where he can actually send out signals instead yeah. of receiving. But that the whole dancing and singing sequence to him, that was that scene. And then Terry Crews scene before that, those are like the standout moments that, 
you know, this is more like just a episode of Call of Duty or whatever. <laughs> but outside of that, these scenes kind of stand out as pretty good scenes. Um, it's a cool, cool little flash flashback. I don't know how I didn't know about this movie. It was recommended to me by by one of my friends, and I told her like I'd never heard of it. I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Yeah, seems like my kind of thing." And then I watched it, and I did enjoy it. But also, it's a movie that kind of makes you think, like how things are going with AI. You know? Yep. What are people uh, really trying to do with it? <laughs> so, part of the reason why they did that musical number in the movie is because of Michael C. Hall's big Broadway dude. Mm-hmm. Like he, yeah, he's. It's kind of like Hugh Jackman does a lot of Broadway in musicals, so that's one way for him to be able to kind of put that in there. So. Glad they did. Yep. You know, it's one of my favorite moments, actually. All right. For our last movie, in our <clears throat> for your Academy Award consideration, uh, which comes out tomorrow, by the way, everybody. Uh, the Oscar nominations will be out tomorrow morning, so be ready for that. See how, see who pops up, right? And then who gets snubbed. <laughs> uh, I watched the movie Spencer. Spencer? No, not from Jumanji. Uh, <laughs> uh, about Princess Diana, played by Kristen Stewart. During her Christmas holidays with the royal family at the Sandigrin, Sandigrin, Sanding, wow, Sandringham, there we go, Sandringham, a state in Norfolk, England, Diana Spencer, uh, struggling with mental health problems, decides to end her decades-long marriage to Prince Charles. Uh, written by Stephen Knight, directed by Pablo Larian. Princess Diana is played by Kristen Stewart. Timothy Spall, which most people know as Wormtail from the Harry Potter movies, is Major Alistair Gregory. Jack Nealon as William. Freddie Spry as Harry. Jack Farthing as Charles. Sean Harris as Darren. Stella Gonnett as the Queen. Richard Samuel as Prince Philip. Uh, and Sally Hawkins as Maggie. Before we go, before I get get too far into the movie, uh, I looked this up to see how accurate. There is an amazing website called History versus Hollywood, and uh, so I looked it up, and they do an excellent job, kind of breaking different questions down about the movie, about was did this actually happen, or did, or was it fake? You know. A lot of the outfits are pretty accurate to what she wore. While she was there. But how much of Spencer is based on the true story? So the movie openingly admits that it contains far more fiction than fact. Even at the start of the movie, you get told that it's a fable from true tragedy. So basically, unlike, uh, you know, the 2013 biopic that starred uh, Naomi Watts as Princess Di as well as the depiction of uh, Princess Di on Netflix's The Crown. Uh, this version doesn't even try to stay in the confines of the true story. It just kind of does its... It tries to be inspired by real events, but kind of... Uh, but what 
pretty much unfolds throughout this movie is imagined. And they kind of wanted the studio kind of wanted everybody to know that it's in imagining of what might have happened during those few, those few fateful days. So basically they're at, you know, Diana knows about Charles and his affair with Camilla and it's affected, you know, it's affected how, and she's, and even in real life, Diana always hated going to, uh, Sandringham estate. There we go. I got it for Christmas. It was like always her least favorite time of year to go do that. Cause everybody's there. She's having to be told what to do, when to do it, what to wear, when to wear it. And she just wants to be alone more or less. Either from the family or just alone with her kids. She's never really liked the idea of, of uh, Harry and William learning how to hunt. Um, that part's actually true. That uh, she said somebody in a high rise really doesn't want to see you. The fact that uh, you and Bambi, you know, you and your brother shot Bambi's parents or something like that. Um, anyways, she's never really fit in with the Royal family. They've never really accepted her. They've, this is just showing her still being the outcast, even after all of these years. And this takes place in Christmas of 1991. The following year, they separate. You know, officially, they're they are no longer a couple. And but even though their divorce wasn't finalized, I think until 96 or something like that. And Diana has always I, you know the other thing that's been really true about the movie or how you know what the mo- how the movie depicts things that actually occurred in real life is that Diana always found it more comfortable for her to talk to the staff than the than other members of the royal family because she never really fit in she was a commoner so she feels more comfortable talking to you know talking to the staff than she did you know her people that are now in her you know, her own family. So, uh, this movie kind of go delves into her bulimia, which apparently she developed six months after they got married. So from 82 to 90, like almost 10 years of, you know, her, her eating disorder to which of course family thought was just kind of like an attention thing. And, there's even one scene where they're eating breakfast, Christmas morning breakfast, and Charles says, basically, the chickens laid the eggs, the bees helped make the honey, and I forgot what else, some other animal analogy. So the least you could do is, how do you word it? Basically, respect their respect what they've given you, and you can actually, you know, and, and eat your food without throwing it up in the toilet later. Because, yeah. And the movie just does not. And I've yet to see to see anything between this or The Crown or even a documentary where the family has just treated her well. 
is just uh like I don't, I'm like who would want to live that kind of life? Yeah. It's just it just seems depressing all the time. <laughs> and not just because it's cold, but it just shows her trying to withdraw and having you know, they think she, some people, you know, were, think she's like going mad or going crazy, but no, she's just depressed. I mean, she's depressed. She has anxiety. She has an eating disorder because she's depressed and has anxiety. You know, the, her kids are about the only one she could really talk to and that she really cares about. And it's just it's just sad. I mean, it's just really sad. But this movie does at the end show that like she's having to wear these pearls around her neck. And it's the same pearls that he gave Camilla. Camilla was at the Sunday service as well. And it's just these constant reminders that she's not the, you know, like basically she's not the one he wants to be with. And there's just so many things that are just kind of a slap in the face. So at, towards the end of the movie, you see her kind of just yanking on these pearls until finally they break free. And it's kind of a, you know, kind of a metaphor of her breaking free from the royal family. And then towards the end of the movie, taking the two kids and then heading back to London. And her basically getting freedom from the royal family. Although the fact that the last scene is her driving a car, <laughs> not good foreshadowing. I mean, granted, yep. she wasn't driving that car either, but still. But it's the first scene that I see Kristen Stewart trying to portray Diana is at this gas station. She's in a car, then she stops at the gas station because she's lost and doesn't know where she's at. So this, this, this scene in particular just bugged the hell out of me. I don't know if it was like first day of shooting or what, but it literally looked like Kristen Stewart trying to pretend to be Diana. Like a really bad like Saturday Night Live skit version of it. Cosplay. Yeah, more or less. And it's just not very well done. But the rest of the movie, she's great. I mean, and I really feel that she... First, I was like, why would they get Kristen Stewart to play Princess Di? Because I could think of a couple other actresses that I think would be great. But what I realized while watching this movie is that a lot of the same things that Princess Di had to go through, Kristen Stewart has gone through as a celebrity as well, as somebody that has been, that the paparazzi has chased and gotten pictures, you know, no matter, you know, constantly being hunted for pictures, constantly having to live a life she's not accustomed to living, wanting to live. She just wants to be herself, but she's always under a microscope. Right. And there's like just a lot of things you could see similarities about how she's, able to really identify with Diana as a person, not as a princess, but as a person. And I don't know if she's, because I'm not real super well-versed on Christopher Stewart, but enough to know that, you know, that this, these are things that she would have gone through, especially during the whole Twilight, you know, thing. And then the relationship her and Robert Pattinson had for the longest time. And just always being constantly criticized about something. And how that really takes a toll on you. And just wanting to break free. Like, I, I, yeah. I really think that gave her a lot to sink 
you know, kind of sink her teeth into in this movie. And yeah, she was great. She'll probably get nominated. And I know she did for Golden Globe. She'll probably get nominated again. Um, no, she did great. That, aside from that first scene, but a couple of times I was like, you know, it's a couple of times I just kind of was like, <sighs> yeah, you know, not. But otherwise, I mean, but for the vast majority, outstanding performance. So that's all I got on that. I would recommend it. It's also VOD at the moment. Uh, I think iTunes had it for like three dollars, so it's it was worth it. It is slow. A lot of weird kind of weird jazzy music kind of choices for it. It's interesting, but it works and. Yeah, movie wasn't bad. Um, she was she was outstanding though, for sure. Um, only trailer I have is a movie called After Yang, say starring starring Colin Farrell. It's another A twenty four production. Um, say sci fi uh, movie about. Uh, so basically, in the, in the near future, a family reckons with questions of love, connection, and loss after their artificial intelligence helper unexpectedly breaks down. Starring Colin Farrell, Jody Turner-Smith, uh, Mawia Emma Tandrell Wajaji, Justin Min, and Log Cassidy. Written and directed by Koganda. Koganada. Koganada. There we go. Looks very fascinating. Looks very A24. And that's all I got, my man. Alrighty. Uh, This week we have Death on the Nile. I Want You Back. Marry Me. Blacklight and the amazing Maurice. At least that's what's on my calendar that's coming out. Yeah. Cool. I'll be watching a few of those. Yep. I'll be going to. I'm hoping Mary Mead's going to wind up on Peacock because I feel because I keep seeing like the I keep seeing it pop up on the uh, Peacock app. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping they're going to release it there and I don't have to go to the theater to go see it. I'm happy to watch it, but I'd rather watch it at home. That's like one of those I'd rather watch at home, but I'll I'll go watch it either way. So, Death on the Nile, I'm I'm not gonna be rushing out, but I'll I'll end up going to see it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We shall see. Okay, man. Well, I hope you have an amazing week. You too. All right. And I hope all our listeners have an even better week than the two of us. Spread the love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. 
You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental Underscore Advisory Underscore Movie Underscore Pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.